Welcome to the Founder and Funder Experience, brought to you by Valence Advisory and Mattermade. This podcast serves to bring to light the different journeys select founders and funders took to get to where they are today. We hope their lives and their learnings continue to inspire both present and future innovators. Hello, everybody. My name is Arjun Dev Arora, and I am the founder and managing partner of Valence Advisory. We support founders and founders, and we help accelerate their efforts via people, strategy, and capital. And now, off to John. Hello. Thank you, Arjun. Uh, John Lowe here. I am the co-founder and advisor at Valence Advisory, specifically the lead on uh, leadership co- coaching and facilitation. But enough about us. Today, we have a wonderful guest, Jean Ann Booth. There's so much we'd like for her to share. She's a serial entrepreneur. And yes, she's working on something as we speak. And we'll let her do most of the talking and tell us a bit about who she is. And maybe to start, Jean, it would be uh, lovely to kind of talk through your journey to becoming a serial entrepreneur um, before we dive into what you're working on now. Well, thank you. I, I First, I, I really appreciate the opportunity to be here and talk to you guys. It's, it's, uh, it's a real pleasure. Um, and I've enjoyed getting to know you so far. So just a little bit about how I got here. Uh, my background is an electrical engineer and many years in industry. So I was in semiconductors for 30 years and two of my startup companies were semiconductor companies. Uh, and then I retired, which was awesome because I was a dive master on a liveaboard dive boat. And then I came back to work because of my mom and that's the company I have today, Unaliware. So I, I guess that's a big part of what we'll be talking about today is, is those companies. With that background in semiconductors, uh, one of my companies sold to Texas Instruments, another one sold to Apple, and so, of course, there's, there's why I was retired and getting to be a dive master on a liveaboard dive boat. But um, I did come out of uh, the, the dive boat in 2013 to start Unaliware and, and did that for my mom. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, Jean Ann. And well, yes, thanks. Um, why don't we dive straight into Unaliware? Because okay. your mom, you started it, and I'm sure she didn't give you a prescription and say, daughter, I would love for you to get back into entrepreneurship and develop um, <laughs> a, a product that many people other than myself are going to love and need. <laughs> so. Yeah, in fact, it really didn't go like that at all. <laughs> So my mom, um, my mom was a model. She was absolutely stunning, gorgeous, stylish, you know, never left the house without being completely done. And, you know, poor mom, then she has an engineer for a daughter. But there you go. It worked out in the end. Um, so it, it, you could probably tell mom is gone now. But uh, we we started Unaliware together. And what happened was as she turned 80, being a model, she was tall and slender. And as she got older, Slender became actually downright frail. And so she was cognitively capable. That was wonderful. But she was physically frail. And so we had that discussion that you have with your loved ones at that time of life where you're saying, hey, you know, I want you to be safe. Uh, I want you to be independent. And what can I do to help? And so being the engineer, I went out and I created a spreadsheet you know, here's the solutions of all the products that are on the market. There's this pendant and that pendant and this pendant and that pendant. And the very first of the passive monitoring systems that actually put sensors in your home. And I sat down with mom and I went through the little spreadsheet and showed her pictures of everyone. And I'd saved the passive monitoring system for last because I thought for sure she'd go for that. 
And she looked at me and she goes, don't you get that for me? I'm not wearing it. And I swear to God, her teeth did not move. And, and it was like, you know, if you remember that time when, when you were a teenager, you know, and your, and your parents would give you that look. Um, I hadn't seen that look since I was a teenager, which was just the other day, but I knew she meant it. And so I left her place pretty disappointed because I wanted something that was going to keep her safe, but it was very clear that I could spend whatever money I wanted to spend and she wasn't going to be wearing it. <laughs> so, you know, I noodled on it for a couple of weeks, um, talked to some of the, the folks that I'd worked with before in some of my other companies. One of my co-founders of this one has actually been with me in multiple companies for 20 years. And, you know, we, we came up with the fundamental patented technology in the Canega watch, which is our battery system in the band. And, and so at that point, it was like, you know what, we could actually make, you know, what Time Magazine called us a smartwatch for grandma, right? So we could actually make a watch that looks good, that sounds good, that helps in the demographic. And so I called up my mom. I was really excited. This is about two weeks after she didn't move her teeth. And, and I said, hey, mom, how about if we make you a watch and you talk to it and it talks to you and it can remind you to take your medications. And if you forget where you're going, like you have a senior moment, it could give you directions home. What do you think about that? <laughs> and my mom goes, I'd throw it out the window. <laughs> and I said, great, mom, you're hired. <laughs> and so that started the very beginning of um, what ended up being about six years of work together as she was our senior user experience advisor in the development of Unali Wears Canega Watch. And so everything we did, um, she weighed in on. And she was personally responsible for about the first hundred people who came through our focus groups. And, you know, she, you know, she helped us. Well, she did her job. Her job was to make sure that people didn't say, I'd throw it out the window. Um, and it, it was a great, great deal because, you know, we got a chance to work together, which we'd never done before. You know, she, didn't, she still didn't understand any of the technology behind it. But for the very first time, because I wasn't working in semiconductors anymore, she was able to actually see, you know, the things that you can do when you're a creator. So it was great. Wow. That's, Thank you. It's quite the story. Thanks for sharing. And, and through the process, Jean Ann, what did you learn specifically about the needs of um, your mother and people similar like her? Um, that were quite insightful, shocking, or contrary to what most people think, that really informed um, your design, engineering, and um, team processes around development. Yeah, there's, there's actually, it's, it's, it's surprising. It's shocking. There's your clickbait. <laughs> um, what, what people think of, I mean, the, the normal thought, as soon as you think of an older person, you get this mental image, usually an old woman, probably a cane next to her. She's staring pensively out a window, worried about her financial future, right? And, and you know, that's not reality, but that's the first place that everybody's head goes. And if you say, I'm going to do a product for the elder generation, the first thing they all think about is skilled nursing and the sickest of the sick and the frailest of the frail. And although there are people who need solutions there, they're not nearly as many who need solutions who are independent 
but vulnerable. So the first thing that we had to kind of work through was, you know, just what part of the solution set were we going to go after? What kind of, what part of the problem space were we going after? And, and understanding, you know, independent but vulnerable is a different stage than what everybody thinks of just as soon as they say, you know, this is a product for senior. That means, you know, you don't understand anything and you can't do anything, right? So there was a whole lot of learning that we did through our focus groups um, in, in those early days. In the end, we, we, went, we had over 400 people come in through our focus groups um, all across the U.S. And, you know, it wasn't as much about when you talk about a focus group, everybody's always thinking about, you know, you showed them a picture of your product and they said, no, I want it to be pink. Um, and that could be a focus group, but that's not what we were looking for. What I was really looking for was what are the real things behind products that help extend your independence? And that was when we came up with our, our tagline, which is extending independence with dignity. And what that meant was, as we went through those focus groups, beginning to understand that the number one fear people have of growing older is losing control over their own lives. And, and Nielsen does studies on this. They haven't done one in a couple of years, but it's because it never changes. It is the number one fear that people have of growing older, which when you think about it, you go, well, duh, but nobody ever really thinks about it. And there's a couple of things that drive that. So all of the products that we have in this market space today, you push the button and your kids show up and they take away your car keys. You push the button and your kids show up and they move you out of your home that you've lived in for the last 70 years. So above all, <laughs> you're not dumb. Don't push the button, right? And, and that's, that's the big challenge that people deal with in this space. Independence with dignity for us is all about control. It means you control your own aging. And if you want to share information with somebody, then share it. And if you don't, then don't. And so for the people who wear a Canega watch, really what we're doing is we're freeing them from the tyranny of their children. <laughs> yeah, it sounds really incredible, but, but it's important, right? So, so there are more things that go behind that understanding that the number one fear people have of growing old is losing control. And, and one of them is that you have to get an understanding that people, well, nobody can actually rationalize like a human being can, right? So you can sit there and you can look at somebody else and go, you have white hair, you've got a cane, you are old. But when you ask that person, they are not, right? You tell them and they're like, oh, well, I'm not old. I don't need a product yet because I'm not old. And that's that rationalization of the human experience that says, I don't need that, but you do. And this is the big conflict that happens between loved ones and their parents, um, you know, and the children is, you know, the children are going, oh my God, you're so old. And the parents are going, I'm not old yet. What's wrong with you? And, and that's driven by that stigma of the solutions that are in the marketplace today. So just as soon as you show up and you're wearing a pendant around your neck and it's got a big button on it and the button's probably red, then everybody's looking at you and they're going, oh, Jean-Anne, you're so old. 
And of course, that's not the image I want to present. Mm-hmm. Nobody wants to present that image. So, so not understanding that just because you're older doesn't mean that your vanity is gone. There's nothing that says, I'm going to turn 60 or 70 or 80, and suddenly I want all of my products to be beige with a big button. <laughs> I mean, that's just not the way yeah. it works in real life. So I, I actually kind of figured this out with my mom. So my mom, as typical of, of her generation and the silent generation, you know, she smoked for years, so she had COPD. And um, that meant that she was on oxygen later in life. And she would actually not see people if it meant she had to take her oxygen with her. And, and it would be like, but mom, why would you deny yourself of the opportunity to see your friends? And she'd be like, well, because I don't want them to see me wearing this. It's like, they want to see you. They don't care about the <laughs> oxygen. Right. But she was human and we're all that way. And somehow, as we created these products back in the 80s, we didn't look at them from the perspective of the person who's wearing them. We looked at them from the perspective of, you're old, I know what's best for you. It needs to be big and ugly and clunky and beige. And that's not what anybody wants. And I, I suppose that the challenge with uh, developing a product that the market actually wants still exists today <laughs> with <laughs> yes. many companies. And, you know, it, it's fascinating as you were speaking, Jean Anne, Arjun and I were, were thinking about what a clear frame of experience you have in terms of actually developing a product to meet not the surface said need of a particular market group, but really the lines or the communication behind the communication. Right. And, and, you know, having obviously started multiple businesses and sold them and exited yourself, did you always have that product mentality or were there catalysts or mentors or certain projects you worked on that really clicked, helped click something? Because you, you do come from an engineering background and so do Archie and I, and arguably we're very focused on the features <laughs> and the back end. I didn't have a UX training in the uh, college. I don't know if you did, Arjun, <laughs> but <Nope. laughs> what actually helped you, you know, develop that? And, um, and as you recall, your uh, experiences. Yeah. So, so, you know, I think I've always kind of had that product mindset for two reasons. Part of when I went to, to school, I um, worked every other semester in the, in the co-op program at NASA. And that was awesome. Wow. That was so phenomenal. And the, the thing that that helped me see was not just the technology, but how it was being used. I actually had the computer systems. Um, I maintained all the computer systems in the Space Shuttle Transportation Program office. And, you know, so it was all about the, the computers being used. And I had the opportunity to train um, the executive administrative staff in their very first use of computers. And, and it was really cool because it changed my mindset from, well, you know, it's a computer and you, you know, do, do this to open a file and all that kind of stuff to, oh, well, you're looking for that file. Well, first of all, you have to open the drawer. You know, it changed the whole perspective of how I would think about things. And as I went along in my education and then along in my career, you know, it, it became something more integral to myself of, of kind of the difference to me between an engineer and a scientist 
is that an engineer builds things for people. Scientists, you know, investigate things, maybe build things because they're trying to answer questions. Engineers are trying to bring a purpose, a value, right? And so the way you know that you've got value is that people love what you've built for them. And so now you got to build things that people love. <laughs> and that, yep. that's where that comes from. <laughs> yeah. So well said. And, you know, and obviously with time, you've also overseen engineering teams yourself. How did you as a leader with a technical background or as a manager of technical people with technical talent, how did you instill into their mindset this, you know, to be at peace with the fact that human beings are more emotional beings than rational, whilst technical people often design with clear rationale? Um, how did you help your engineers bridge that gap or manage them to think differently in that way? You know, I think um, over the years and through through the companies, um, it's become kind of just one of those things for for the people who work for me. You just don't you in in the senior market. We have a have a good description for it. You know, we we call it nothing about me without me. So you're building a product for the senior market. You can't just build it because it's what you think. Well, you can, but you're not going to delight anybody that way. If you want to delight them, then it needs to be with them. So nothing about me without me. And, and in creating that mindset for my teams, you know, kind of depended on when um, engineers would join us. Um, sometimes they felt that, that um, it wasn't all that important. But then, you know, I'd have experiences where somebody would go to some other company and all of a sudden they would discover that they weren't getting feedback on you know, did they add the company logo in the right place and was it the right size and is it readable and, you know, all of that kind of stuff. And, and they'd come back <laughs> and go, you know, because what we're doing is going to make products that people love. And I would much rather make products people love than just make products. Wow, so yep. well said and concise. And my understanding is also with Unaliware and it's current product, the Kanega, um, both Unali and Kanega are references that have of significance that symbolize something. Would you mind sharing a bit about what they symbolize and why you chose those names? Sure, sure. Yeah, so Unali is kind of the English language version of a Cherokee word that means friend. And Kanega, which is what we call our watch, is um, the Cherokee word for speak. So it, what it means is we're the friend who speaks to you. And if you've ever created a company, you know, one of the biggest challenges, especially today, is, you know, what are you going to name it? And are you going to be able to get your Twitter handle and your Facebook page and, you know, LinkedIn and, and your, your main domain, your URL and all of that? And, and so it, it leads you to look for something. And in the traditional space that we're in, everybody has a name that includes either the word life or the word assist. And, um, wow. Yeah, that's, the, I mean, that's just not a, that doesn't extend independence with dignity, but the friend who speaks to you does. And where it really comes from, um, you can see it if you look at a picture of my mom on our website. Our background is heavily Cherokee. 
And so in, in being able to bring that naming into the company and create a different feel for the people who wear a Kanega watch, you know, I, I had that opportunity to, to honor a little bit of heritage too. Oh, that's really that's nice. Very, yeah. That's a really wonderful uh, backstory there. Glad, glad you shared it. <laughs> and, you know, upon initial inspection, I don't, I don't have the watch, but you know, I'll probably use it one day. The, um, it, but you know, it's not just the watch based on what you've told us, you know, I, I think a lot of people just, just because of, um, sensory bias, they see a device on the wrist and they think, and, and it looks somewhat techy. They think, Oh, it must be just a smartwatch. But my understanding of why this exists can be reverse engineered to your deep understanding of the use case and what these elderly uh, people specifically need that they're being underserved yeah, or they're not being seen yeah. through. And can you, can you share some of those distinctions um, and, and why it actually warrants such an entirely different approach to designing this product? Sure. So, so first, let me actually show you how it works in real life. And so I'll, I'll hold him up here. So, so the watch is the name that you gave it. My mom named hers what I use for mine in honor of my mom. So Fred Astaire, what time is it? The time is 1.50 by p.m. And so you can ask him what day it is, what time it is, or more important things like Fred Astaire, get help. I think I heard you ask for help. I am contacting the operator. Press the crown button once if you do not need help, and I will cancel the call. So I'm going to go ahead and press the crown button and cancel the call. But that shows you, first of all, that it is speech. It You talk to it, it talks to you. And we have inside the watch, we have Wi-Fi, we have cellular, we have GPS. So wherever you are, whether you're at home or you're out and about, you're able to make a connection to an emergency medical alarm call center operator. Um, they bypass 911 and go direct to dispatch. Plus, they're able to add information that says, you know, you're allergic to penicillin and you have diabetes. Anything that may help the emergency responders actually deal with you more safely, more quickly, um, that's what the medical alarm call centers do. And so um, there's other things that we do as well. And the thing that actually made me come off of the dive boat and start UnaliWare was our fundamental patented technology. And if you can see it here, that is our battery system in the band. So there's a battery and there's one on each side. You simply take one off of the watch and you put it on the charger, take one from the charger, put it on the watch. And you actually get, this is not gonna reach this far. Let me unplug it. Um, you actually get a little charger with a total of two batteries on the charger, two batteries on the watch, and so you never have to take the watch off to charge. Now that's super important in the elder part of the demographic that we serve because the number one cause of injury death among seniors is falls. Most of those falls happen in the bathroom, most of them happen at night. So even if you give a loved one a smartwatch, it is most likely charging when they're most vulnerable. And that's not good. So having the ability to say, you know what, we can keep my mom safe 24 seven, that made me come off of the boat. Cause it wasn't just about, you know, oh, I wanna build another product company. They're hard to do, they're expensive to raise money for, uh, they take a long time. 
You know, it's, it's, it's hard to do, but unless you do something specifically to solve the issues here, then, you know, you aren't actually providing a solution to a really big problem. So the other things that we do, um, I'm going to take my watch off here, which I don't usually do, but I will. Um, and that is, you can see that it's a very bright white on black display. And we do this on purpose because a significant portion of the elder um, generation has age-related macular degeneration or glaucoma or yellowing of vision. And so what they need to be able to see is maximal contrast, and that's what the white on black gives you. So in the early days, especially, you know, as everybody else is building all these smartwatches, all the display guys would come to me and they'd be like, oh, I have the greatest color display. And I'd be like, I don't care. <laughs> I want black and white and the brighter, the better. And so, you know, you can thank my mom for that because we gave her a watch that didn't have a bright display. And after we'd been doing focus groups, like for a month with, and she goes, you know, Jean I can't see that. And I'm like, no, mom, you didn't tell me. <laughs> so it's really important. And the other piece with that display is, is, is also very important. As you age, the, the chemical signals in, in, in the brain that say, I'm thirsty, quit to working. So seniors are chronically dehydrated. Being dehydrated means that you lack the galvanic skin on step pass. So you've, you've actually seen this, you know, in the days when we used to go to the airport, if you look next to one of those clear stations, you'll see there's a bottle of, of hand lotion. And a lot of times they will, especially for women, they'll make them put hand lotion on their fingers before they put their fingers onto the machine. And that is so that they can actually be read by the machine. So the end result of that is, you know, people would sit there and they would tell me, you know, seniors can't handle technology, DNN. This is too much technology for them. And, you know, first of all, the answer is we hid the technology behind, you know, an easy to use friendly interface. But the other answer is it's not that seniors can't do the technology. It's that you have to understand where they are in their lives. And that means touch technology is not the place to go. And I really figured it out when I was teaching my mom how to use her iPad and she would take her finger and like bounce it off of the iPad because she knew it wasn't going to work because it never did because she was chronically dehydrated. And at that point I said, okay, fine. And I got her a Bluetooth keyboard and off we went. You know, when we started to watches, you know, general settings, like maybe a CES or something, people will come by and, and they'll, 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 you know, touch the watch and they'll go, it doesn't work. And I'll go, it does too, but it's not for you. <laughs> <laughs> nice. That's so important. Um, I guess, I'm glad you I guess there's, that. <laughs> there's, there's actually a couple of others too. Um, so it is possible to dislodge this. So there's a safety battery in the base that's kept charged by the little pods. And that way, even if all of the batteries are off, then your watch still works. Fred Astaire, what time is it? The time is 2.02 p.m. So one advantage of speech is that it's much easier for people to do. One, um, it may not work if, say, for instance, you have a cold. And so that's where the crown button comes in. So, you know, if you're technologically sophisticated, you, you look at the watch and you go, wait a minute, that's a digital watch. Why do you have a crown button? Well, because it's actually the help button. And so you press and hold it. Thank you held the crown button. I am contacting the operator. And off you go. Wow, great. 
I'm really glad you shared all these insights because I think, you know, one of the things I think a lot of users can take away from this is really the, the mindset of understanding your end user at a very deep level. And my understanding as well is you've also noticed that uh, other underserved groups other than elderly people have been attracted by your products too because they serve those needs. And what are some of the other extensions to your product line are you excited about? Because, you know, Unali Wear is uh, obviously not just limited to one person. So, so our, um, we actually, this is our second generation watch that we have today, this one. It's fourth generation cellular and we first came to market in 2017 with the first generation uh, device. So, so today, our wearers range in age from 16 to 100 years of age all across the U.S. So when I first developed the product with my mom and for my mom, you know, I knew that we were putting together a package of capabilities that was good for more than just seniors. And, and so when we did a Kickstarter campaign in 2015, one of the things that we did was we were looking for other independent but vulnerable populations who would opt in and tell us who was interested. And so today, in that population, in addition to, of course, seniors who wear Conega watches, we also have people with MS, Lou Gehrig's, Parkinson's, epilepsy, Down syndrome, blind people, disabled vets, and traumatic brain injuries. So these are all you know, people who are totally independent, but for one reason or another, they're vulnerable or they need help with medication load because that's one of the things that we do with the Canadian Watch. Wow, you've got a lifetime more of work ahead of you. <laughs> you have no idea because we didn't even talk about one other thing that we do. Please. So we also, we also have um, patented AI in the watch. And, and so what we do is we look at motion patterns, uh, location patterns, speech patterns, and movement overall. And we use that to provide predictive preemptive support for our population. So we call it learning. Very the cool. Yeah. Yeah. We call it learning the wearer's lifestyle. Um, because one of those things that you figure out is, I mean, we're all unique, different people and we also age differently, but among ourselves, we have our own patterns that are kind of, this is where we are. And when things change, you know, maybe that's indicative of a need to go see your doctor or a need to get help for you. And so that's part of what we do. We actually take the information that we gather in learning the wearer's lifestyle, and we use that to determine if there's been a change in motion or a change in voice that may indicate maybe depression or something along those lines. And we use that to, you know, just provide a little bit more support. One of the things that we actually have, it's almost in UX, so it'll be coming out soon, is what we call Guide Me Home Assistance. So this was that senior moment that I talked about in the, in the conversation with my mom. So it's you're someplace and you realize that you might need a little bit of help getting home. You know you're close, but you can't quite remember how to get there. And that's what the Guard, uh, guard Against Wandering with Guide Me Home Assistance does for you is you can ask your watch for directions home and Fred will give you directions home and he'll watch you execute them. So if you don't execute them, then he'll connect you to with the medical alarm operator who can talk to you about what's going on, see if maybe they have you just stay there and they'll send somebody to your location to get you home. And in that way, 
you know, one of the things that, that I'm hopeful that this is going to bring for us is a significant reduction in the number of seniors in the silver alert, you know, missing senior signs. Um, that's what I'm really hoping for here. Well, that's, um, that's very, very exciting. And, you know, it, you mentioned the hardware business is difficult, but by the sounds of it, you are truly a tech company with a subscription model that necessitates the device purely because of an understanding of the users you're actually serving. Right. Yeah. So, so when I talk to investors, I call us DAS, right? Device okay. as a service. Ah, nice. <laughs> So for, for those of you guys who are old enough to remember this, you know, most of the physical products that have a subscription um, actually started out where they were DAS as well. So think about a cell phone. In the early days of cell phones, nobody ever paid for their cell phone. The market wasn't really big enough and the competition was, was strong enough that you never bought your own phone. You just went to, you know, the AT&T store, the Verizon store, the Sprint store, and, you know, you, you signed up for a two to four year plan. And then at the end of it, they would send you an email that says, congratulations, Jean-Ann, you've qualified for a free upgrade. And what that really meant was they wanted you to sign up for a, a new subscription, right? And as a part of that, they would amortize the hardware. So that's pretty common for marketplaces that are still in growth mode and haven't reached you know, significant growth. Um, I think in the fullness of time, the hardware would separate from the service, even in, in the spaces that we're in. But in terms of penetration, you know, products that include medical alert capabilities like a Canega watch, it's significantly underpenetrated. Now, of course, my particular bias driven by my mom is that that's because the products are ugly and stigmatizing. Um, but, you know, still from that perspective, it's kind of a new market. So you don't buy the watch, you only buy the service. And that's the way that, that we work it here. Thank you. Thank you for making that so clear. Jinan, do you have uh, any, we're just running out of time here, but is there anything else that you'd like to share with the audience uh, before we close this up? Or do you feel this is a good place to leave it? I think there's one that you might find interesting. And, and that is, I did actually bring a couple of pictures. Um, I went to the office so that I could, could grab these, not pictures, but actual realities. So, so there's, there's a couple of different ways, especially when you're making a physical product, there's a couple of different ways to do it. And right now we seem to be in one of those phases where, you know, you have a designer create the look and feel, and then you try to squish all of the bits into it. And, and that's okay as long as you've got a big box and you've got plenty of room to squish the bits in. If you're talking about something like a wearable, there's not a whole lot of room. And so um, it's really hard to do that. So we went the other way around. First, my first question when I came off the boat was, hey, look, can we do this reasonably, right? Can I, can I reasonably, cost-effectively build a smartwatch with the kinds of capabilities that, that we want to do for a Canega watch? And so... Um, I, I actually went out and was fundraising on our very first prototype that we made bootstrapped and, and I will show it to you now. This wow. <laughs> lovely piece of engineering has a felt back um, and a 3D printed plastic case um, with a little stack of boards on the inside that are actually all of the internal functions of a Canega watch. So we built this first and I went out and I fundraised against this. And that was when I learned a really important lesson. 
very few investors can see beyond the outside. And in fact, even when we were doing focus groups and stuff, I would rarely actually even bring a product in because all you can see for most people is what's there, not the vision of what's coming. And what I didn't expect was that much of the, um, that much of the investor community to be that blindsided by being able to say, I've proven it can be done. Now I'm going to make it beautiful. Right. And um, so along the way, there were many, 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 many prototypes. But here's the first generation Canago watch. So it was a medical grade stainless steel. It's uh, 60% heavier than what I'm wearing right now and five millimeters thicker. Um, and so at a quarter of a pound, it's pretty dang heavy for a 90 no. year old to wear. <laughs> and that's what drove some of the changes that we made in our second generation. So anyway, I thought maybe, maybe people would find it kind of interesting to see, you know, we don't do a whole lot of physical products today in the greater scheme of the universe. Um, and so for those who never really understand what, what's involved in it now, maybe you can kind of see just because, um, just because, you know, you've seen one of these doesn't mean that it can't turn into one of these. Yeah. Love, lovely to see the progression of the, uh, yeah, of the product nice. over time. That's really cool. Yeah. Thank you. 